you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen. And my guest today is David Greenwald. That's an interesting name. I forgot to ask him about that earlier. Um, And he has um, a really interesting background, and he is a certified health coach and fitness expert and an author. So I'm going to let David introduce himself so that I don't screw it up. (laughs) Thank you, Susan. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. All right, so I'll I'll keep this intro of me really brief, um, but it might at least help, you know, give a little background as to why I care so much about what I'm doing, why I'm here. Um, I'm a certified health coach, but I've been, I'd say more importantly, I've been coaching people one way or another for over 30 years. Um, For whatever reason, as Susan and I were talking before things got started here on the recording, something in my DNA has been fitness oriented since I was a kid. I don't know why, I don't know how, I have no idea, but it has. And, um, and so even when I was a kid in grammar school, there used to be the president's council on physical fitness and that there was the president's physical fitness award that you could win. If you did uh-huh. a certain number of tasks and you could throw a ball a certain distance and broad jump a certain distance yeah. and whatever. And I wanted that award so bad, you know, I'm 10 years old and I wanted that award so bad and I'm not, uh, the, athlete who played traditional sports was on the A team. If I played those sports, I was definitely on the B team, maybe the C team. And, but I really wanted that physical fitness award and I got it two years in a row. I was so proud. I still have the patch. Wow. I have the sticker. I have the certificate still, uh-huh. you know, tucked away. Yeah. Um, so I'm just saying it's been in me for a long, long time. When uh, in my teens and twenties, I uh, was actively involved in my own training for bodybuilding and powerlifting. I competed at the state level in those, in those endeavors. And um, I owned a gym back then in the, in the eighties and I coached people then. That's really when I first started really coaching people was the mid eighties. I was a city police officer at the time because I have wow. a background as a police officer. I did went on to be an Illinois state trooper. Um, wow. But, you know, as a police officer, when I, when I was with the city, I, I also owned a gym. So in me, I've always had this business head as well. It's like I, mm-hmm. and then how can I make the business world tie into my fitness passion? And, um, but I honestly thought I'd be a police officer my whole life, but one of the businesses really took off and I, and I ended up leaving the, the, the police profession. Um, but I really, and I really like the police profession, but anyway, so did a gym, coached people, uh, got sent to Northwestern University here in Illinois to become uh-huh. a, a police uh, fitness trainer because they wow. just, I wanted it. The, the police department could see I was super passionate about it. And so yeah. I was, uh, it created another asset for the department. Went on, started a supplement company. I don't sell any supplements now. I want to make that known. But in the 90s, I started a little supplement company, a tiny little thing in a room in my house, just so I could maybe make enough money 
to pay for my own protein <laughs> because I was using protein, <laughs> protein supplements. And I was like, if I could just sell enough to have uh -huh. enough profit to pay for my own supplements, I was an Illinois state trooper at the time uh -huh. and there was no internet then it was 1992. Uh -huh. And I started running these ads in the back of bodybuilding magazines, a little classified, tiny little classified ads. And anyway, this thing grew from just me trying to make enough money that it grew to 45 employees and about 7 million in annual revenue. Wow. So that was over a course of about six years. And the reason I say that is, um, I promise it's not just to let me just boast about it. No, but yeah. what happened is we had over a hundred thousand customers in that supplement wow. company. And then when the internet came, two-way dialogue started. And for anybody that can remember, you know, most of your listeners or all of your listeners can probably remember when it first came in, for me, it was amazing oh, that you yeah. could have two-way dialogue. Yeah. You, know, you talk on the phone to people, of course, and right. you could, you know, right. but to have this two-way communication and then, so email came in and the internet, of course, came in, the web came in. And what I found is with these customers, I'm, I'm selling supplements. I'm um, kind of a Ralph Nader of sorts where I'm like, I dig in and I research the supplements yeah. and I tell you which yeah. ones are not honest. And I tell you which ones <laughs> are good. Uh -huh. And I tested this supplement and it didn't have any of what they said in it. I was doing all of those things. Uh -huh. So my clients really trusted me. And I started to get a lot of questions, of course. Hey, Dave, I want to lose 30 pounds. I want to get in better shape. Right. I want to lose 50 pounds. This is an email. And they'd be like, hey, can you real quick, like, it's just like, <laughs> you're right. Can you real quick? Just tell me real quick what the answer is to lose and keep off forever 30 to 50 pounds real quick. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I gave it an honest go. Yeah, die. I, I was like, That's okay. about it, I think. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. So I wrote them back and I'd be like, All right, tell me a little bit about yourself. And they write back and then I'd try to give them what I could. But I mean, there was a lot of people that wanted my attention. And I'm running this yeah. company um, that's doing well, you know, with the employees and everything. So I had a lot going on and I thought, I am so doing them a disservice so doing them an injustice by trying to answer these questions kind of on the back of a napkin in a fortune cookie or a bumper sticker, you know, um, anybody can answer with the five word diet, as I say, eat less and exercise more, you know, you can always just say, there's your answer, but I could find the tallest building in your city and get on a bullhorn and scream that and zero people are going to change. If I say that, because at some level, we all know, maybe yeah, one, I get it. you might get one, you might get one. Yes. Right. And you'd be like that one, you're like, okay, we did get one, but otherwise no, because at some level we all kind of go like, yeah, I know, I know, but how, and in what way? And what about all the nuance you're leaving out? And anyway, so I ended up writing a book. It's almost 500 pages. And I finished that book and had and published it. And uh, the final version came out in 2002 and it's, it's still out there, but what did what I did was the internet was here then, okay, mm. um, by then, mm. and so I was able to take the book and tie it into an online coaching program, oh. really tap into that two way communication which I wanted, and do it in a way that was authentic to what mm. was going to be needed. You know what What about this? What about that? All the little nuanced things with each individual. Um, having the two-way communication, how do you actually track nutrition and exercising? How do you set goals? And what about this? And all the things that go into, you know, the process as, as it is. So we've been doing that since, uh, 1999, uh, the final version of my book came out in 2002 and we've been online 
you know, helping people get from some place that's typically unhealthy or a weight they don't want to be right. or both yeah. to a healthier place and or a weight that they do want to be. Um, often it's weight related, um, not always, but often, most times, in fact. And um, I'm just as passionate today. You know, I've been online with this, with what I do since 99, and I'm just as passionate today um, as I was then, except that I know a lot more. <laughs> you know, I think as I was, Susan and I were talking a little bit before we went live here, I was saying, when I think about what I knew when I was 30, 32, 34, I knew some stuff. I was passionate about it, but I almost cringe, you know, at what, you know, I was putting out compared to where we are now, as I'm sure anyone can understand when you've been doing something for 30 years. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was a lot. I, I know, but that it kind of gets, gets us to hear yeah. what, what drove me um, uh, to, to want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So you had mentioned before that, that you've, you've kind of, it sounds like you've kind of gone through having uh, different businesses. Yeah. So yeah. what, what do you, what do you have now? I mean, what oh, do you, what do you yeah, settled so the, on that you're, uh... <laughs> yeah. So once I started the book I wrote is called the leanness lifestyle. It's a mouthful, two N's and two S's. And it's a, you know, it's like, uh-huh. a, but yeah. and the program is called leanness lifestyle university. And the university is just to say that we're very education based. Mm, we're okay. we're kind of based on an education model, but education in a bite-sized, step-by-step, day-by-day mm. way. You know, not someone's going to come in and truly get a you know a master's degree and something that you know, but they will get a master's degree in their own health and nutrition, but uh-huh. not something that they're going to take and put a plaque on their wall. It's not that kind of thing, but it is education-based, right. um, very system-oriented, but also very meet each person where they are. So a person comes in and someone could be, I just had a gentleman started yesterday. He's 420 pounds. Okay. Oh my and God. he wants to lose about half that. He wants to get down to about 225. And I had somebody start today who's only 15 pounds above where they want to be. And yeah. it doesn't even have to be so much about the number, but where each person is, that person that's 15 mm. pounds away mm. from where they want to be. And they do 75% of the things pretty good uh-huh. versus the gentleman who's got 225 pounds to lose or whatever. And he's only doing 25% of the things, you know, that we want. So meeting each person where they are and and making sure they're not overwhelmed Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. with my program. Now we have accountability and our coaches and myself will check on people, uh, make sure that they don't go MIA. um, And if they do, we're not anyone's warden. We're not going to come hunt you down, but we're going to try to make sure that you, you know, stay, yeah. involved in your own journey. Um, mm-hmm. So there, that's built into it. Education's built into it. Motivation, the support, um, everything from nutrition, exercise, goal setting, all the things that relate to all of that. You know, I've had a lot of time being online since 1999 to evolve the program. Yeah. So, um, everything we use is, is mine. I wrote and programmed everything. I didn't want to be a coder, Susan. I didn't want to. <laughs> But when I first started this in 1999, what I was getting quoted for somebody to build me what I wanted was crazy, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And I went, well, you know, I can either, yeah, no, do I, I can either do that or I can learn the coding. And so I learned, I coded the site initially on dial up, Uh no fast internet, Uh 
uh-huh. disconnected every five minutes. Um, uh-huh. People in the house couldn't be on the phone at the same time as I was, you know, coding That's the website, right. Absolutely. <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> and anyway, there, it's just, it's had so much time to evolve and mature. Um, mm. I would say probably like me, you know, and evolve and mature. But anyway, yeah, that's so that's what I'm doing. That's what we've been doing. And uh-huh. the program just going to continue to evolve. And um, I almost feel honestly, I almost feel uncomfortable because I, I, I love the discussion more than I want to like talk about myself for the program. But it, but um, you asked and I wanted to honor the question. So I'm going to hush about well, thank the you. program now. Well, thank you. No, I think that's I think, you know, it's it's interesting and I think it's interesting for, for my audience, you know, to hear a little bit about the person, you know, what their, what their um, travel has been to get to the place where they are. Yeah. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's interesting to me because usually what has gotten people into things is, is themselves you know, some issue that they had or a family member had or, you know, and then, and, you know, and, and same for me. I mean, we've all gotten, we all got our, got into this for our own reasons. And typically the reasons are ourselves and our health and our family's health and, and our community's health. And it, you know, it kind of just goes out from there and then we end up really being out in the world. Absolutely. Well, and for me, although fitness has been in my blood since a kid and all this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. when I was a power lifter, I would say, you know, I grew into a typical fat power lifter. And I get to say that because I was that. And Mm -hmm. because I really, I was fat. I just, I was now eating a pound bag of M&Ms as a pre-workout was probably not the best eating model, you know, for, for performance. But the mindset was get big, eat big, get big calories. Yeah. yeah, Calories. And I did, and I'm only five ten, and I was, uh, I peaked out about 235 pounds. Wow. And one night I was on the couch watching TV past the bottom of my feet. I was on my back on the couch and the TV was past my feet. Okay. And I looked down, I was like, my belly was still up above, almost above my feet. And I like, David, that's enough. That's it. And it was time to reel it in, you know? And so I, um, it didn't happen immediately. It didn't happen. You know, I just willed it immediately and I was successful from day one. I had trials and tribulations and working through it myself. And at this time I'm in my late twenties, very early 30. I hadn't started the coaching program. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't done that. I was just police officer, power lifter, you know, that kind of thing. And I learned a lot, you know, and I learned, I, I knew some things, but I learned that I didn't know a lot of things, but I did have success over a period um, of a year or so. And I did get off my own 50 pounds of excess. And the good news is, and you were talking about it happening mm-hmm. or being a part of you or something happening to you in my own journey and learning, moving past the stuff, like you say, that you hear everywhere, right. here's this tale and that tale and, and this thing that's, you know, been passed down mm-hmm. from almost, you know, generation to generation, uh-huh. things that were wrong. If you eat this, this is going to happen. If you do that, that's going to happen because I'm so evidence-based. I really put that into practice as I was going through this and I challenged everything with myself. I was like, does that make yeah. any 
scientific sense that I can't do X, Y, Z, or I'm supposed to, I can't ever have a piece of bread. Can't ever have a piece of bread because as a male, your estrogens are going to go up. Wait, what? I mean, that really, but that's been passed down. That's not something. Yeah. That's like that one. I haven't heard, but not surprising, (laughs) but it was like, okay, I'm going to challenge that. You know, I, Uh you know, is there any Uh evidence to support that? And no, of course not. So when I went through it, I went through and applied as much evidence as I could. And when Uh I came up, when I finally got to the weight that basically I am now, um, and I've maintained it now for 25 years, I had gone through that process myself and I'd gone through the evidence-based process. And I said, I thought to myself, this obviously became the early on information that I shared with my clients early on in the program. Cause I was like, listen, Mm -hmm. this is wrong. That's wrong. This is, you know, there's no evidence to support this. Do that if you want, but you're just doing it just to do it. Yeah. And um, so uh, in getting my own 50 pounds of excess off, And as importantly, you know, keeping it off and the mindset shift that it took for me to do that, um, because I, and I still am, I do not consider myself someone blessed to be lean. Okay. (laughs) And I still say that, but I had a misconception back in the day. I used to say, we mortals, other than the ungifted, we mortals can get to lean, but we don't get to live here. Well, think like somebody doing a bodybuilding show. They do a bodybuilding show. You get super lean for a day, okay? Mm-hmm. And then whatever happens mm-hmm. after that happens, whatever the case is. Most really blow up quite a bit. Um, and I had done bodybuilding and I had done that. Come down, blow mm-hmm. up, come down, blow up. So my thinking, and I'm, I was wrong then. And I said later, yeah. I was wrong when I said you can get lean, but you can't live there if you're just a normal, mortal, not ungifted person. I just didn't know enough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to know how to, to keep it going. So just right. really just, um, grossly piggybacking on what you were saying, how it's like your own journey, your own life yeah. contributes so much into what you end up doing. And, 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 uh, it's, it's different for me, but it's also not, it's, it, it holds, it holds true for me as well, because I had mm-hmm. to learn how to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's interesting what, what came up for me when you were talking is how um, every a, a particular program doesn't work for everyone. Right. Right. That's right. why there are so many of them out there. Mm-hmm. Because you have to find the one that works for you and yeah. that you can live with. Yes. Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, and not feel... You know, some people love doing fasts all the time and, you know, things like that. And, and other people like the, the more of the Asian yeah, right. kinds of things. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get to the same place. You yeah. just have to find the one that works for you and, and that you can do. Right. And then, you know, I would, what I would add to that is at some level, there are going to be fundamentals that you find mm-hmm. kind of universal yes. when it works. There are right. lots of things we could say, you know, there's a Churchill quote that says, no matter how beautiful the strategy, we should occasionally look at the results. And so yeah. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm looking at the results, 
you know, it was a beautiful <laughs> strategy. It didn't work, but it was a beautiful, you know, uh-huh. but it's yeah. for the things that work. And when I say work, I think of it maybe differently than some not work as in I lost some weight. I'll have clients that'll come to me and say, I, I've lost some weight in the past. I've had success. Good. But you're 50 pounds up from, yeah. that, from that right. low. Right. That's I would not, not say it worked because we haven't yeah. maintained it. My, my right. definition of worked is let's get to where we want to go. And then within reason, you know, no one has to be got to stay within two pounds, you know, or whatever, but let's get to where we want to go and let's live there. Give mm-hmm. or take, but let's live mm-hmm. there. And 50 pounds yeah. is not give or take, you know, five pounds, 10 pounds, yeah. that's give or take. 50 yeah. is you, you had a relapse. And so, yeah. um, so when we're looking at all of these different types of programs, like you said, whether it's, um, mm-hmm. you can do a number of things. You can go paleo, vegan, ketogenic, intermittent fasting. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, whatever it may be, there are going to be some fundamentals That's to right. them that are going to hold yes. true for the ones that work, really yes. work long-term. Totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. And as long yeah, as we're doing sure. those fundamentals that are um, reasonably evidence-based, you know, there's parts of this, I, I say there's, a, there's an art and a science to this. I should probably say science and art because the science really is probably the thing we can hold the, the truest and the strongest. Mm-hmm. But there's an art to this as well. It's like, how do you make it happen for you? How do we help you really um, succeed, you know, in the process and adapt mm-hmm. and um, bring in these fundamentals into your life? And there's an art to that you know, uh, that isn't just, mm-hmm. there's, there may not be an evidence-based answer. Yeah. Susan, you're a unique individual and your life and your, whatever time of, uh, uh, period of your life that you're in, whatever season of life you're in, how, how many hours in a day are you doing this? How many, how much time do you have? What else do you have going on? What stressors, all of those things, yeah. you're not going to Google a scientific answer <laughs> for how do I get Susan who has this, and that, you know, you're not going to get an answer. So in coaching, we have to look at the individual and say, we have to bring in that art piece, you know, where it's Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. okay, we're going to still keep the evidence based parts in place. Uh We got to figure out how to, and even if someone isn't coming to me, if you're doing it yourself, like Uh you're saying, Susan, you've got to figure out how do you integrate this real, you know, into your life, Mm -hmm. whatever program you're doing. That's absolutely sound. that's sound <laughs> i'm gonna throw that in there whatever sound program you're doing you know so yeah. we're not doing the cabbage soup diet or whatever <laughs> the cabbage is great but you know if you're yeah. just gonna live on it 24 7 365 probably not uh you know probably not you're yeah. right yeah it's um yeah and there have been a lot of those kind of diets out there huh still are yeah. oh Still are. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a mind boggling. I've been again doing this 30 some years and I look at the infomercials still and various things. And I'm like, gosh, some things just never change. You know, the well, delivery yeah. medium changes, the actors change or whatever, but you're just like, gosh, it's the same message, you know, that, that, uh, people, yeah. people want to hear, but it's not genuine. Yeah. But it must be succeeding. Otherwise, people wouldn't still be out there trying to do it. Can't argue yeah. with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's um, that's that's the sad, sad part. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, and, you know, and it, maybe it works for some people, but yeah, I don't know. I'm going to say no. Anyways. One of the reasons yeah. I'm going to say no overall is because here we are in the United States uh-huh. and we've gone from 15% obesity in 1970 to 43% today. So two and a half mm-hmm. times obesity wow. with all of the messaging that's been out there, eat less exercise, more take personal responsibility, just bucket up, pull up your bootstraps, do your thing, you know, uh, stay away. From, if you yeah. don't like McDonald's, stay away from it. If you do this and that and all of those messages and all of the food pyramids and my plate and all yeah. these things, I'm not yeah. saying they're bad. I'm not. What I'm saying is they haven't worked again. Strategy. We should occasionally look at the results. The results speak very loudly. It hasn't worked. And I feel I have a very good handle on why and what's really going on. And so I think that, I don't know if you want to go down that path, but I think that's an interesting Mm -hmm. area to explore because the standard Uh messaging, eat less and exercise more, calories in, calories out. I'm not saying that from a math equation, it's not accurate. Right, from a science, from a science. Yeah, the math itself, caloric deficit, got to take in fewer calories than you burn in a day mm-hmm. to lose weight, got to take in equal number mm-hmm. of calories that you burn in a day to maintain, got to take in a surplus of calories in a day to gain weight. All, all the math, I'm not saying that's wrong. It's correct. Mm-hmm. But the messaging doesn't work. What do you, by what, de- by what definition? 43% obese compared to 15% in 1970. And we've had the messaging yeah. for 50, 60 years. Everybody knows, yeah. eat less and exercise more. Hey, that's the answer. Why isn't it working? Because the message doesn't work because of all the obesogenic factors that we're facing. That is what I like to explore, you know, for my clients mm-hmm. and help them yeah. really see what they're facing, what's really going on and how do we really work through this um, right. with, with that knowledge? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Cause it's not, there's a lot of people who think, Oh, well, you know, just count your calories or here, calories. You know, use oh, this. I've never heard that before. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying no, if no, that no. worked, it's, you know, uh, we wouldn't be here. It, it, right. Exactly. I mean, counting your calories does work if you actually do it. it it's a, it's a tool, right? I mean, right? Yeah. It's exactly. a tool. It's a strategy. It's not a yes. global plan. It doesn't help you face the ob- obesogenic factors in the way that right. we need to comprehensively, but is it a tool that I support for a limited time? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not something we do forever. Um, I'll have clients that from time to time really just feel more comfortable doing it. They get so good at it. It takes them literally two minutes a day to do it because they get so good at it and they just yeah. feel more comfortable doing it. As far as yeah. my position on it, I do like you, I promote it early on, uh-huh. Not mandatory, but I promote it early on as a tool. Uh-huh. Let's learn. Let's yeah. you learn. Let's help you get yeah. your own PhD yeah. in personal nutrition, like what's really going on. And right. then we can kind of work through that um, and see what's going on. But then over a period of time, you know, and up to each person, we say, you don't have to, you know, but we may come back to it if things start looking weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Or just, just kind of, you know, pay attention to it in the back, in the background. Yes. I think that's, that's the thing is, you know, you don't have to go keeping a scorecard and, and all of that. But after a while, I mean, from personal experience, after a while, you know, which things 
you know, if you eat a half a slice of that, then you better back off on a lot of other things for the next week. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can know, eyeball and it is, and, and it's averages, you know, you get so good. If you do it mm-hmm. for just a little bit, you get That's so right. good at looking at something. You can look at a plate of food and go it's 900 calories uh-huh. in that plate. Or you can look at a plate yeah. of food and say it's 300. Or you can look at a plate of food and say it's 1500 calories based on what's on it, the portions, the sizes, all that kind of stuff. You really do get good mm-hmm. enough. Um, mm-hmm. It's worth putting in the effort. It's worth putting in the work to do it. But I'm going to come back to the thing that we were just saying. And I'm going to say, right. if that alone was the answer, Oh yeah, 43%. Yeah. And my fitness pal, do uh, you know my fitness pal, the tool that so many people use to track? Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I've never used it or anything, but yeah. I'm, it's the yeah. most popular food tracking software in the world, probably. Wow. Okay. okay. Millions and millions and millions of users. If tracking by itself was the answer, the tens of millions of users on my fitness pal would move the needle down somehow. Right. Yeah. And so you have to say that alone isn't enough. And you go tell someone calories in calories out. That alone isn't enough. Track your food. That alone isn't enough because of what we're facing in our obesogenic society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are too many external factors driving the consumption of ultra processed food. Yes, yes, yes. And just food overall. You know, I mean, it's still an emotional, it's emotional eating and it's, you know, that, that sort of thing and, and not, not being able to, I, I think to really exercise that, that muscle of being able to stop. Well, you're, you're touching on a really strong area that I'm passionate about. And that is the compulsive nature that occurs Mm -hmm with ultra processed mm-hmm. foods, um, yeah. where it turns people into users rather than consumers. Yes. And so yes. the difference there is not subtle. I mean, as a consumer of something, um, if I want to buy a book, I can just decide whether I want to buy that book. Do I want it or not? If I do, I buy yeah. it. If I don't eh, pass it by, it doesn't yeah. click on any bells and whistles in my brain. I don't get necessarily a neurotransmitter release. It's like, eh, whatever, you know, okay. You know, yeah, no, I'm a consumer with the ultra processed foods and what's being eaten by, I'm going to say 80 plus percent of consumption today by Americans is ultra processed food. Mm-hmm. What happens mm-hmm. is because of what the big food manufacturers are, are doing with their, with food scientists, trying to make it as hyper palatable as possible. They create these food-like substances. That's what I call it. You know, a food-like substance that is hyper palatable and has this bliss point. And the the bliss point, it's not, well, people like sugar. We'll just add in a bunch of sugar. You can have too much sugar and people go, I don't like that. It's too much. So they find the bliss point of sugar, salt, fat, and not just sugar, salt, fat. We have Three, four, five thousand industrial additive chemicals, artificial flavors, da, 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 oh da, you name it. Yeah. You know, preservatives, sweeteners, right? Uh, things that change mouthfeel, um, on and on and on, that also add into the savoriness, the crunchiness, the whateverness, mm. the mouthfeel. It also yeah, brings the saltiness. In, yes, and and also brings in this this bliss point, 
And that's mm-hmm. their objective is to get the, get it to the bliss point where our brains do light up with dopamine. We get a dopamine hit. Yeah. And from that dopamine hit with its purpose, probably, or not mm. probably, uh, primarily being to tell us that's something you want to do. That's something you want to go get. That's something you definitely want to remember. It's definitely something you want to do again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and uh, that happens to us with a tremendous number of the ultra processed foods that are being eaten. And it turns people from that consumer of this. I'm going to be very rational and objective. And I know what's good for me. And I know corn curls are not something I should eat 24 seven or whatever the case is, you know, um, yes. I know sugar yes. smacks are not something I should live on 24 seven, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the thing is, you know, Susie uh-huh. Q's, Dong's, Ho-Ho's, whatever the thing is, you know, think of all the stuff I ate as a kid. Um, but whatever that, whatever it may be for you, donuts, pizza, whatever, um, you know, rationally, if I'm to sit you down and I say, what do you think about that stuff? You'd probably go not the healthiest. You just might say something simple like that, you know, not the healthiest uh-huh. or whatever. But when the decision comes too often to either have it or not have it, the compulsive nature mm-hmm. of this yeah. and the whole user rather than consumer referring, mm-hmm. of course, more so toward, toward a, an addictive nature of it. Absolutely. Um, changes the entire paradigm that we have to think about this with. We can't, you know, for the longest time, let's remember for the longest time, the tobacco manufacturers told us nicotine wasn't addictive. Yes. They flat out yes. lied to us for a long yes. time. And it wasn't until yes. they finally got sued and evidence was brought forth and the scientists and the, the internal papers were brought out where they knew this stuff was addictive. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. until that was determined and until that was right. brought to light publicly and scientifically, uh-huh. doctors, health professionals, thought of and treated cigarettes and nicotine differently and thought of it more as a personal choice. Just decide, you know, once that, once it came out, wait a minute, this is an addictive substance and it turns people from consumers to users. Everything changed and it it kills them and it kills them extremely harmful because of its, what it does and the process Uh and how much and Uh all this stuff, people don't moderate it, you know, all things in moderation. Here's what I say, all things in moderation, including moderation, because some things can't be moderated. Some things zero is better than one, not everything. And I'm not saying when people, you know, do my program or just doing whatever on their own, I want you to eliminate everything that tastes good. I want you to never have anything that's sweet or taste good ever again? No, but there are some things for a large number of people that we're going to have to look at in a way differently than this is just food you have to control. That's like saying, you know, that crack pipe is just going to have to just smoke a little bit. That's not going to work. No, it's not. The drugs, (laughs) the addictive nature of certain things, sometimes Mm -hmm. zero. And food being number one on that. And ultra processed food being number, you know, Mm -hmm. being uh, so high. Um, The research says that 60% of what Americans are eating is ultra processed food. I I actually disagree with the the most recent research. I think they're behind. And I think it's going to be around 80, 90% of what most people consume is ultra processed food. Wow. So. With that being the case, and it's not being thought of as an addictive substance or a, a substance that creates compulsive overeaters, 
we're coming at it all from this moderation, just pull it up by your bootstraps, just personal choice. If you don't want to go swing through McDonald's, it's your choice. Don't swing through McDonald's. But the brain has changed. Mm -hmm. The the high-end users of ultra-processed foods, their brain has changed where they are Mm -hmm. not making good choices. They are not making Mm -hmm. rational decisions. It's not Mm -hmm. their fault, but they don't know what they're facing. Mm-hmm. they're still mm-hmm. treating it like it's just something I should be able to control. Yeah. But it's a drug. And for some people, again, it's not that way for everybody. <laughs> There's some people that can go to McDonald's and, you know, and do it moderately. It's not mm-hmm. everybody, but we've right. got a high, much higher percentage of people than people think. And that is being talked about who do have a significant issue um, with the ultra processed foods and all the, how many places can we get it? Everywhere. Everywhere. Fast food, convenience stores, the grocery stores, yeah. literally everywhere. You know, and as far as marketing on television, what foods get marketed on television or any, or anywhere? All ultra of them. processed, right? Yeah. You know, I don't see broccoli being advertised on television. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Everybody get your broccoli today. You know, no, they, yeah. It's Doritos and it's Pepsi and it's, you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's whatever, all the stuff we're, we're all very, very aware of. So that's just one kind of leg of this, uh-huh. of creating success that I, you know, work strongly with my clients on addressing in a way that they need, because every person doesn't need the same level of, right. you know, abstinence or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it'll vary. Um, and, and what the person may want or need to be abstinent from that'll vary, mm-hmm. but, uh, but there are enough similarities where we can, we can think of this, treat it differently and think of it differently so that we can really get the win instead mm-hmm. of just thinking of it as this innocent little thing that we can just decide, you know, um, not to have when we want, or, or just keep blaming ourselves. I ought to be right. able to just say no to this. Yeah. And that gets repeated 500 times a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, the results don't speak to that being true. The results speak to not able to control it. Right. And so, okay, we can, it can be addressed. It, it this, mm-hmm. this can be won. Um, we're in a very obesogenic society. We're, we're in that, we're in that time with, with food that we were with tobacco in that it's not being uh, thought of enough at high enough levels right? for what it is. Yes. And, um, but it's, but it's, but we are moving in that direction. I am seeing a tide shift and some paradigm mm. shifts in what, in people's choices and what they're doing. People voting with their pocketbooks makes a huge difference. Um, uh-huh. Big food uh-huh. wants you to buy their food. So if we aren't buying yeah foods that have all of the industrial additives and all this kind of stuff. And if we're not buying that, they're noticing and they're Mm -hmm. going, okay, we'll figure out, you know, a a better, cleaner, smarter way Mm -hmm. to to make things that are still tasty, but that are closer to real food. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, and actually what comes, what comes to mind too is, um, that just the whole organic, non-organic, there are so many more organic choices yes. out there. 
yes. even of the of the pardon my language of the shit food yeah they're that's all they're that's all inorganic as well i mean they yeah. think they they've become aware of this yeah of this change in the market right yes yes yeah unfortunately for some of that like you're saying i think you're alluding to for some of that it is a bit of a marketing ploy, although they still have to adhere to certain standards to call it USDA organic and all this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Generally, uh-huh. I'm a fan because when it comes to the various pesticides and, and additives yeah. and things like that, they, yeah. I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying they're, they're you know, pesticide free. I'm not saying any of that, but I'm saying that because of the standard they're held to generally, you know, your, your plant crops, your food or your animal crops or animal uh, products right. and so forth. Um, are held to a higher standard. Um, mm-hmm. And as we can, they sometimes can be so expensive, but oh, yeah. as we can, um, yep. trying to buy more organic is probably a really good thing to do. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. my view. Oh, no, I agree. I agree. And I, and I think, you know, I, I agree on the prices um, and for people who that's a really high thing that to worry about right right you know then there are a lot of things that you don't need to buy organic yeah i mean a perfect example is avocados yeah there's absolutely no difference yeah between an organic avocado and a regular avocado so you know buy the regular one yeah you know I mean, so there, it just, it takes a little bit of, of, um, research takes a little bit of time, a little study. Um, but you know, it is, it is doable. There are certain things that, that are really, really, really bad when, when you don't buy them organic, buy, just buy those. Yeah. And and what I would say too, is for somebody that goes, Oh my gosh, what do I got to, you know, what do I got to do to, you know, to try to, to try to win this and, you know, and, and do better. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a hierarchy, you know, and I, what I would say is, I mean, give, give the definition I go by if, if you want, but what I would say mm-hmm. is whether it's organic or not eat real food. Yes, absolutely. Eat, eat real food. That's first, that's the highest priority. Then yes. <clears throat> somewhere down the list a little bit will be the, you know, organic, uh, non-organic, but eat real food. If we're eating real food, we are going to do so much good compared to eating ultra processed food. Um, yeah. and, uh, so I would say, you know, start there. Oh yeah. No, no, I agree. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but as, as with everything, you know, you just, you got to do your research. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's one of the reasons that it is one of the reasons that people will look to a trusted source mm-hmm. for coaching and support is because there's so much to sift and sort through uh, if you're doing it on your own. Right. Yes. And yes. so that's one yes. of the things we, we help our, our clients do is kind of shortcut uh-huh. that sifting and sorting. Um, yeah. I've been sifting and sorting for 30 years from an evidence-based right. perspective. Yeah. So the confusion of, well, what have I heard this? I get that all the time. Hey coach or Hey David, I've heard this. And what do you think about that? It takes me zero time to have the Mm -hmm. answer, but only Mm -hmm. because of 30 some years doing what I do. Um, And we know that we can get on Google and depending on, you know, our own personal biases, 
which which way would you like it to land? You know, there's a saying, what is it? We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. And so depending on how I want to ask Google and what comes out, I can be like, eh, yeah, I'm going to go with these five, you know, yeah, not these other five that say the exact opposite. Or depending on which one you land on, you end up extremely confused, you know, trying to sift and sort mm-hmm. through the, this right. is bad, this is good. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. so we help shortcut that, you know, and, you know, I don't really look at, honestly, I kind of use a different metric, not surprisingly, probably by now <laughs> with you that as to whether a food is healthy or good or not, I don't, I don't look at it that mm-hmm. way. Is this food healthy? Is this food good? And what I say is, I don't look at whether it's healthy or good. What I look at is, is it real food uh-huh. and does it work for you? Because, yeah. you know, I think, it, it, you know, people can have allergies. People can have various things. You can have, it could be, a, let's just say a, a real quick example could be, you know, a real food by the definition, you know, that I go by is whole or minimally processed food that only mm-hmm. contains, uh, if it contains added ingredients, it's only those things commonly found in kitchens. So let me say that again, whole or minimally processed food that if it contains added ingredients, it's things, only things commonly found in kitchens. Okay. So that's real food. So my question is, is it real food? I'd say, Mm -hmm. spin it around, look at the ingredients. I'm not going to give you a list of 3000 things to look for. You just have to know what real food is. And if it's not real food, it's pretty processed and probably ultra processed. Maybe not, but I'm going to say guilty until proven innocent in this case, if it's not real food. Yeah. And if that's the case, then we got it next. So is it real food? So you look at something, let's just take something like peanuts. Okay. So you look at ingredients, peanuts and salt, right? Peanuts, whole or minimally processed food. Okay. The natural edible parts of plants and animals, blah, blah, blah. That where the only thing that's been added to it is things commonly found in kitchens, real food could be mm-hmm. peanuts, salt, salt's commonly found in kitchens. Got it. It's a packaged food, but it's real food. Okay. Next question. Does it work for you? Well, what does that mean? Well, let's get it's at least two avenues. One, do you have allergies to it? What if you have a true allergy and it puts you in the hospital? Right. Okay, obviously the answer yeah. is no, it doesn't work for you. Well, yeah. what if you have a not so much an allergy, but an intolerance to it? Uh-huh. Where it doesn't hit yep. that level of allergy, but it just doesn't sit well with you gastrointestinal issues. Maybe you get a little bit of a rash or whatever. Mm, Okay. mm, Does it work mm. for you? No. But the other way that it might not work for you is you eat the jar when you sit down. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so it's like peanuts or whatever, almonds, take the, take the nut, you know, whatever it may be. And you go, it's real. Dave said macadamia nuts. Dave (laughs) said it's real food. He said, I can eat it. Oh my God. But you eat the whole jar when you sit down. And there's, oh yeah. Right. So we know case, how many calories there are in macadamia nuts. <laughs> exactly. And I love macadamia nuts. So it's like, oh, yeah. um, so I'm like, does it work for you? If the mm-hmm. answer is no, then even if it's real food, it's got to go. It doesn't have to yeah. go. It doesn't have to go, but it really should go for you to see the success you want to see, you know? Right. Um, or we have to figure right. out how you can, I mean, not if you're allergic to it, but if it's something you just overeat, then you we have to think through how you might still be able to keep it around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really the two things I look at. I don't, you know, other people you might hear or other people may have heard if it's got more than five ingredients, don't eat it. I don't care if it's got 50 ingredients as right. long as it's real food. 
yeah. things commonly found in kitchens. Salt, basil, oregano, you know, garlic, right? Mm-hmm. Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I mean, keep going. And you just, you have the tomato sauce on the shelf and it's got 10 ingredients in it. And you're like, that's all stuff grandma had, yeah. you know, literally nothing else that grandma didn't have there, you know? Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, someone might say, uh, don't eat it if you can't pronounce the ingredients. Well, I don't know your vocabulary. I mean, maybe quinoa is a pretty weird word, you know, and Q-U-I-N-O-A. I mean, a lot of people can't pronounce quinoa. No offense to anybody who can. It's a weird word. But just because someone can't pronounce it doesn't mean shouldn't eat it. It's, that's right. Yeah. You know, so none of those things work. So when I, I constantly look at things like, does it hold true? You know, I remember mm-hmm. I was saying when I was doing my bodybuilding show and I was getting lean, yeah. don't eat a piece of bread, your estrogen will go up. Does that hold true? You know, no. of course not. Yeah. <laughs> Does it hold true if it's got more than five ingredients? Don't eat it. No. Does it hold true if we can't pronounce it? Don't eat it. No. Does, is it real food? Does it work? Does that hold true? I haven't found the exception to that in the, mm-hmm. in the clients that I'm constantly working with and have for so long. I haven't found yeah. an exception to that not working. Yeah. No, I like that. That that makes a lot of sense. So not, um, yeah, not typical, you know, but that's one of the things uh-huh. that I like about what we do and yeah. what we're doing in 2022 here is thinking thing, thinking of things differently, thinking of this paradigm of user consumer, mm-hmm. thinking of that, thinking of what real food is thinking of, you know, of how right. we, how we, how we look at all of these factors for real success mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, being more truly evidence-based educated. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. with the art yeah. brought in so that we yes, can exactly. get the nuanced factors. Fun. Yeah. For and all the individuals fun. and what's going on yeah. in their world. And there's like, you know, there's a science and an art. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, I think we should probably wrap up and, and um, uh, would love to have you come back on the show again. Sure. Yeah. So no, we can anytime. continue the conversation, maybe take, you know, talk about some other other parts of it as well. Yeah. Like and, what are the, uh, what are the major struggles for people over 40 and 50 years old that other people that exactly. are 20 don't have love to come That's back right. on and talk about that because yes. you know, there's some, yes. there's some things. Yes. There. But, I, um, I, Hey, that, that sounds like a great show. That sounds <laughs> like a great show. Let's get it on the, let's get it on the calendar. Thank you. And we'll set it up. That would be great. So let me, um, let me say what I usually do at the end of these podcasts, which is that I am not a doctor and this is not to be seen as medical advice. And if you are having any kind of medical issues, please go and see your doctor or go to the hospital or whatever is appropriate. And yes. so with that, I would like to thank David for being here with us and a fascinating conversation. And I will be talking to all of you next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.